Lay. Sir. Yeah. Yeah. Kane is in the building, nigga. Yeah. Already the show goes on all night. Till uh. the morning we dream so long. Anybody ever wonder when they would see the thunder? Just remember when you come up. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Always Pressing PGA DFS podcast, previewing the 2019 Arnold Palmer Invitational. Before we get into that, check out the podcast on Twitter at Always Press DFS. I am at BD Intric and my co-host, as always, you can find him on Twitter at DFS Golf Gods. Jesse, how are we doing? I mean, I'm doing all right, dude. Uh, how are you today? Well, just a beautiful Monday, getting ready for more rain. Uh, yeah, that's about it. There's snow on the ground here, so... Whatever. That's yeah. why so I don't live there. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's been a weird year, man. Between the snow all that you guys are all getting and it's actually raining for reals out here for a while. It's, it's, it's yeah. getting weird. It's getting really weird. But uh, I'm ready for it all to kind of stop even though we need it. Yeah, dude, I'm ready for some summertime. I'd like some relative just normalcy of my life pretty soon. It'd be nice. But uh, people don't come to hear that. This is no, Dr. they Phil. don't. Believe um, it or not, yeah. Surprisingly, they really don't give a shit about how, <laughs> how we're doing. But um, let's recap the the uh, Honda Classic, and it was kind of a massacre, as we'd expect. There was a lot of wow moments. Uh, the MDF really screwed a lot of things up. But uh, all in all, in the end, Killa Keith Mitchell, the guy we talked about many times on this show, he came through, made the putt on eighteen to get the W. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, dude. I mean, he he played well. Um, obviously, that it was, you know, pretty much what we expected to be a, a make a par, and uh, it's a good score on most of those holes. Um, a lot of the scoring was done on that front nine, a uh, few birdieable holes on the back there. But uh, yeah, going into after he took the lead, going into Saturday, him and him were in the last group there, and we were talking about this before the pod. But you know, I think it was pretty predictable that they would both kind of back up. And I really think that that was the good thing for Keith. He, he kind of got the pressure off of being in that final group and um, was able to, you know, go out there and shoot three under par. Uh, he almost was under par every day of the week. He shot 70 on, on uh, Saturday in that last group, which is very respectable. Um, but it did, you know, he did lose the lead and it backed him up a couple groups. And anyways, Making that putt on, you know, that's the last thing I ever expect Keith Mitchell to do is make a clutch putt on the last hole, especially like a 15 footer. I mean, I wouldn't feel good about him making a three footer most of the time. So good for him, dude. Um, you know, yeah, he played well. And there was that leaderboard was freaking stacked. Yeah, the stones on, on Keith, it, it was good to see because I, I remember last year in his, his first real year, I got, I got to watch him at Pebble and he he hit amazing shots like the par five six from up from down below. He he launched it. He had a good looking eagle putt. He three put for a par. Like it was. I'm watching the guy. And you, you could watch him and realize how close he is. And that's how I feel about Cam Champ getting to watch him this past year. If he can figure out his short game consistently, he's going to be scary. And um, with a guy like Keith, and and that's why we say a lot on the on the show when we talk about our DraftKings picks. You know. We would never be shocked if certain guys won. There's there are some guys like there's no like we just want a top ten it hopefully, but right. um, there's a handful of guys that have that in their skill set. That's why we always kind of like recommend them to give you that really big waiver of be prepared for like a plus six miscut. Like this right. is very possible, and Keith is great at that. Like this week he's at the Arnold Palmer. Zero people would be surprised if he missed the cut this week. Zero, but that's just 
the way it works. Right. Well, I mean, look at a guy like like Luke List, who's very comparable to Keith Mitchell. Uh, yep. Both can get to the green very well. Um, they just struggle with the short stick, which you know is the the hardest part of golf. So it's understandable. Um, but you know, Luke List had some success here last year. Finished second. You know, lost in the playoff to Justin Thomas. Missed the cut here this year. So it's definitely uh, not surprising. But at, at the same time, it is surprising that he, you know it, I didn't see it coming this week um i know a lot of people out there did and i saw some people with some bets on it so i mean good good on those guys for for having the, the foresight for that but i mean you know he overcame brooks ricky you know ryan palmer had a hell of a freaking sunday mm-hmm. well and, and just the last part on keith and we can move on is that's why when there seems like there's weeks after week after week where we kind of re- recommend the same guy it's because there is that skill set there Right, and and it's like you you stick with the well because it's golf such a volatile sport, but the guys we really stick with more often than not, we know are good enough to make it happen. And I, I laughed because I listened like the first five minutes of Mayo's pod before we started here, and he's talking about how he, he recited from his preview podcast how he said Keith Mitchell will get his first win this year and it'll be on Bermuda grass, and he was pissed off because it's the first time in his life he did not bet on Keith Mitchell on Bermuda. Right. Always stick to your guns, people. So yeah. it's just that's the way the sport works. That's why the whole it is. process it's, over results. It's tilting as uh I mean, it's like literally we're trying to out here trying to predict the hardest sport there is to predict. I mean, there's so many variables and so many different things that could happen. It's just but I mean, that's why that's what makes it so much fun too. Yeah, and this week was even crazier because like you said, all the scoring is on the front and the carnage is on the back. So you'd feel like you're really moving up and your screens are green and then all of a sudden the guy would be like four under and now he's back to two over. And like you just yeah. it was just such a roller coaster ride. But um I was pumped for Keith. On this show, we talk about it all the time. We love seeing these young guys win, but we were so, so close to a rookie versus Brooks playoff, which would have been just an electric factory for a tournament that we're used to having big names at. Some backed off because of the new schedule. Having those two in that playoff would have been epic. What's your just overall thoughts on them? Because one thing that I'm really mad at myself for is Brooks even said it like after Thursday or Friday, I should have registered the way I, I, I read Brooks. He said, of course I can play well here. It's like a major tournament. It's like a U.S. Open is how, how, how hard it is. And I, I don't know why that didn't register, but what was your thoughts on Ricky and Brooks? Yeah, they, uh, I, I, it's not surprising that they were there on Sunday. Um, Ricky struggled in the beginning of Sunday there, and he should have really, he he probably should have won it. He hit some really terrible shots, um, but it it doesn't, you know, it's obviously not a bit surprising. What is surprising is fucking VJ Singh finishing oh, in in, a t- in yeah. sixth place, um, and being in the final group on Sunday. You know, I mean, like it was a wild week. That uh, the cut was on Friday night was epic. I mean it. For the longest time, everybody, you know, I was getting some DMs and some messages from people. Oh, it's, you know, it's not going back to two. And I was like, just wait. I mean, there's way too many people to go through that bear trap. Um, and it ended up getting back to two. And Woodland had to make a 20-footer on the last to to get in. And, and it was – that was that was an epic cut sweat. Like, that's what it – that's what it's all about, man, like with PJDFS. Yeah, it was the whole Thursday. We're in the Slack chat, and I'm like, God, my three lineups look really good. And I even prefaced, and it's all going to come crashing down on Friday because mm-hmm. it's just how it goes. And I was still looking great until, like, Scott and two other guys at the bear trap, and all of a sudden it's like, boom. And yeah. that's just the fun of it all. And that's why we keep Scott, doing it. Scott was super surprising to me. Um, yeah. He t- apparently he changed up his something yeah, about his putting. 
that would have been nice to know. Um, yeah, instead of using the normal kind of longer putter he uses that he's, you know, not the legal one with the legal long putter now, he switched back to just a regular, I, I'm horrible with the, the names I'm using right now, but there was a whole article on it. He switched back to a different putter after putting pretty much the best he's putted in a long time, back-to-back weeks, and he changed his putter. Don't know yeah, why, maybe because he changed grass types from uh, Poa to Bermuda. I don't know, but it made no sense to me. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me either. It was uh that was a that was a tilting miscut for sure. Um yeah. but it man, it was you know, that was a great golf tournament and uh it usually is just because anytime you have scoring that low, you know, it's gonna bunch up the leaderboard and that's what happened. Last thing we can we can talk about here before we move on is Adam Shank, you know, a couple of weeks ago there was all these penalties, people talking penalties in Arizona. They've kind of left off the gas. Pebble you didn't hear about it, Genesis, so on and so forth. Well now Shank gets one and there's a couple of bad things about it. A, I think it's ridiculous if you think a guy's lining a guy up out of the bunker. Like, let's be real about that. Yeah. And and B, they let him know 24 hours later. It's like, okay, if you're going to penalize me, penalize me. But if if I would go, it's like it's like I'm a baseball guy, and you get to challenge a play, but if a pitch is thrown, you can't challenge it anymore. Like, if I'm getting penalized, penalize me. There's rules officials everywhere. So someone should let a guy know, maybe not like before his next shot, but before he leaves the golf course, it might be nice to know those kind of things. But uh, yeah. because in theory, he probably signed a bad scorecard if they want to be real anal about that. Um, but I guess they can't get him there. But what was your thoughts on the shank penalty? Because it was, it was pretty crappy. Yeah, it's just it's the the, the rules got to have some clarification. Um, did you see Justin Thomas? I was about to ask. Did you see yeah. his whole back and forth with the yeah. USGA? That was yeah, that's really odd to me that they would respond to him on Twitter like that in that in that fashion, especially saying, you know, "Hey, you, do they understand you're... how many Justin Thomas fans could go ape shit on Twitter? Like, do they understand the stuff that Twitter is?" <laughs> I, I'm not sure if uh, I, I I I don't know what the the thought process. I, you know, I, I thought maybe it was fake, but then. You know, Golf Channel and everybody else picked it up and uh, treating it as a real. It's just really odd. But either way, um, there's just got to be some clarification about some of these rules. And um, I just uh, the whole lining somebody up. I don't understand. I don't know. It just to me, it's like the point of it. I guess is to not give you an advantage. But if everybody can do it, like who's taking an advantage? I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like it's. Yeah. No, yeah. we, I, I mentioned I mentioned on our Pebble Pod that um, I know a guy that plays. He was part of the Seawood Kim this year, and he was playing with us in our men's group on Sunday in our little skins game. And we were having a, a couple drinks after the round, and we literally started asking him because we the Shank news came out. I think it was Sunday morning or something, and um, we were asking him like, "What's the deal with this?" Because you had to go play with these guys. Like, what's going on? And he started laughing. He says, he says they basically all hate it. They all don't really know what's going on. Like, it's just a, a long laundry list of it. Um, but the one thing he did say is, well, we all put with the flag in because we're amateurs and they want to hurry up the pace of play. So, <laughs> that's kind of how – but, like, the lining up thing, he had no answer for. He's all it's, – it's everything else you hear. It's, like, it's supposed to be for lining up putts and, and the LPGA Tour, but all these other guys, like, when your caddy's sitting there holding the, the yardage book, that's what he's paid to do. Like, he's not telling you – like, it gets ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's odd. The, the worst part is, though, I mean, you're letting the guy know 40 minutes before he tees off and he's yeah. in contention in the final. Well, I mean, he was. He'll think he was four under when he started the round. So, yeah, pretty cool. just an odd, odd way to ha- handle it. And there's just got to be some kind of – they got to figure some shit out. Yeah. Hopefully they finish it out this week. Let's go to the Arnold Palmer Invitation, one of the really, really awesome tournaments. Um, it's at Bay Hill. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, 123 golfer field, but still 70 make the cut. And sadly, 
Tiger Woods has already withdrawn with a neck issue. The back is fine. He, he tweeted out his back is totally fine. It's just his neck. You know, they're, they're not related at all. They don't connect at any point. There's nothing that goes on there. So everything's fine. Uh, don't read too much into that. But uh, Jesse, let's start with some past event history. Yep. Uh, so obviously Arnold Palmer Invitational, it's uh, played every year in uh, Orlando, Florida. Um I closed down my tab that had all my past event winners there. So bear with me one second. All right. So last year, Roy McElroy, hot putter. If you remember on Sunday, could not miss if he hit it on the green. Uh, He won by three shots over Bryson. Year before that, Mark Leishman was the winner. He shot 11 under. uh, Rory shot 18 under in 2018. Leishman last year, 11 under, one shot over Charlie Hoffman and and Kevin Kisner. Uh, 2016, Jason Day, 17 under, one shot over Kevin Chappell. And uh, Tiger Woods has won here eight times, but he's not playing. Like you said, he already withdrew. So. Well, that sucks. Um, yes, you mentioned it's at Bay Hill in Orlando, Florida. It's been at Bay Hill since 1979. Um, it's a par 72, 7,420-yard golf course. It used to be a little shorter. They have extended it over the years. Um, we kind of already hinted at it since being in Florida. Bermuda Greens, very, very fast here, though. Um they redid them in 2015. Lots of slope, lots of speed. But Paul Casey's been quoted as saying, if you can't putt here, you probably can't putt at all because it's some of the best greens you'll ever play on. So yeah. lot to like here. Um, it's not as bad as the Honda when it comes to water, but water is on eight of the holes. A lot of water, um, dog, legs, dog legs built around the water, so you can't just bomb and gouge. Uh, the finishing hole 18 is one of the hardest holes in the course. Lots of water around the green with bunkers on the other side of the green. So it does come into play. It, you can't, it is an issue at times. Um, you need to be really good off the tee. You'll hear a lot of three woods, a lot of long irons. And most importantly, is your approach in from like 175 to 200. Kind of similar to what we talked about last week. Like you can't just – you got to be smart about it and make your approach in. Par fours, pars are good. You want to score on the par fives. Um, each par five averages over 1% birdie percentage per golfer per tournament or per the field per tournament. Uh, the 16th hole, definitely a Eagle hole over 6% of the field will Eagle it 55% will birdie it. So if you're not scoring on par fives, you're in big, big trouble. That's how Tiger's done a lot of damage there. You, you get your pars on your par fours, you birdie and Eagle the par fives. You'll be in contention uh, come into the week. Um, other than that, also around the green when they redid them in 2015 and a little bit pri- prior to that, but mainly in 15, it's more. There's more runoffs around it, so if you're not hitting the greens, your short game, your chipping up and up and down game will become much, much more in play. Other than that, just uh, play smart and stay uh, out of the water. And, uh, it runs out a lot, so it, you don't have to hit driver, but your long irons and everything, they'll still run out in the fairway, so your distance won't be as hampered there. What kind of key stats you're looking at this week, Jesse? Yes, yeah, I mean, pretty similar to last week um, as far as it's, it's more accuracy. Now, I'm switching off of bogey avoidance to birdie or better um because you do have to make the birdies especially on part the par fives i mean the the average winning score here is is getting up in the teens um so the if you're gonna have the winner they got to be able to make birdies waiting uh par fives again um proximity from 200 plus a lot of uh long uh par threes and then a lot of long approaches in general uh and then proximity like you said 150 175 as well, and that's uh, ball striking and then greens and regulation, too. All right, let's do a little fan share sports before we get at it. If you're looking at guys coming in with good recent form, 
top drafting scores in the last three events. You're going to see some similarities, but it's the big boys. You got Justin Rose, Rory, Ricky, Jason Day, Poulter, Phil, but then Matt Every is sixth on the list there, or seventh on the list there, which is pretty surprising. Tiger, which they didn't take him out yet. Then CH3 and Henrik Stenson. He's been playing really bad golf, but his last three events, he comes in 10th in this field. If you want to go back six events, get a little better sample size. You got same a lot of the same guys, but Justin Rose, Ricky, Bryson comes up on this list. Rory, Jason Day, Tiger still there, but Phil, CH3, Adam Hadwin is ninth, and then Mark Leishman is 10th. A couple new names there to keep in mind when you think about recent form. Um, I did a little quick search for them. Last three events on Bermuda Greens in Florida, par 72s, 7,400 yards or more. It's interesting. You got Rory, Bryson, but then Rose. Leishman again pops up here. Hoffman's on here. One to keep in mind, Taylor Gooch is on here. And Francisco Molinari. So a couple different names to keep an eye on as well. And then just the last three events here at the API um, that have drafting scoring. Rory, of course, on average, almost 109 drafting points. We got Bryson. Hoffman again makes the list. Uh, Patrick Reed's only played here once, but uh, 94 DraftKings points. You got Justin Rose, Leishman, Woods, Day, Gooch again. Um, and if you do average birdies over the last three rounds of this event, Patrick Reed had 22 birdies here last year. So that's why DraftKings scoring was big. Taylor Gooch, 21 birdies here last year. Uh, Rory's averaging 20 per round. Hoffman averaging 20. Bryson, Ricky. Chesson Hadley's averaging 18. Benny Ann's, of course, history guy here is averaging 17 birdies. So when it comes to the DraftKings scoring, you can look at that. And then when you look at Eagles, Brandon Harkins, Aaron Wise, and Bryson DeChambeau are averaging two Eagles per tournament at this event. So something to keep in mind when you're looking at your DraftKings scoring. Uh, that is all I really have when it comes to fan share. So if you're ready, Jesse, I'm ready. Let's get into the DraftKings scoring here. We got a handful of guys over 10K. Got Roy McIlroy at 11-4, Justin Rose at 10-7, Ricky Fowler at 10-4, and Brooks Kepka at 10-2. Where are you looking at on this? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I really wish Tiger wouldn't have withdrawn. I think he would have taken a lot of ownership, even though he was second highest priced. Uh, so I think most of that probably goes to Rose. I like Rose a lot still. It doesn't really matter to me. I'll still play Rose quite a bit. Um, he has he missed one cut in Saudi Arabia, which is during that whole uh, Saudi Arabia fiasco they had over there. I'm not I'm not worried about that at all. But he has two wins in his last three starts, and his worst finish was at the Desert Classic, which was 34th. Since and, and, and that's that's his worst finish. It's only his finish outside the top ten since September, since the Dell Technologies. Um, I mean, just playing really good golf. I don't think he'll be overlooked, but I would like him quite a bit. And then Rory as well. Um, obviously won here last year. I just feel like he's he's trending back there again. Um, and I don't know if people will be off him because he's the highest price because he's the defending champion. I hope so. Um, I'm gonna be all over Rory uh, again this week. So those are my two of the four. There should be five, but Tiger withdrew. Yeah, you gotta love Rory. Uh, you know, obviously defending champion T4 the year before T27, T11. You want that T4 first place type finish coming in an amazing form. We've been all over him since he's been a uh, you know a second T4, T5, T4 in his last four events. Zero problem with Rory whatsoever. I think he's a great play. If he finds the putter, he could run away with this one. So I, I'd be all over that. Uh, Justin Rose, as you mentioned, is coming in 
playing pretty well, and he has great course history here. So I have no problem with him. But I think um, getting back on Brooks could be very interesting. I think he gets overlooked in this area yet again. People just for some reason don't want to play Brooks. I don't get it, but it's just the way it is. Doesn't have great course history here. Uh, you know, DMP, a miscut, DMP, a withdrawal, and a T26. That's his history here. So it's not like out of this world great, but uh, still playing pretty well. And he's coming off a T2 last week. So I think if you want to be contrarian, you go there. But I think Rose and McElroy, as pretty much stated already, are the ways to go here. I love Rory this week. If you want to go stars and scrubs, zero problem with it whatsoever. Let's get into the 9K range where you can do a lot of damage. There's a lot of really, really good golfers here. You got Jason Day at 99. Bryson at 97, Leishman at 95, Matsuyama at 93, Phil at 92, Fleetwood at 91, and Molinari at 9,000. You could really build a lot here. Where do you like to go, Jesse? Yeah, I'd, I'd imagine this is probably the chalkiest range. I, I would, I think that probably your average like DraftKings guy who's just plugging in a lineup in the $5 will start in this area, I would think. Um, and I think Tommy Fleetwood's going to be – pretty chalky uh i like him just fine bryson's a, a great play at 97 if you start with your lineup there you know I, i'm not 100 percent sure how high owned he will be but day's probably the pivot off of him good, really really good course history i mean for jason day a fourth and a fifth in the last two starts and really hasn't finished outside the top 25 since he missed a cut at the dell technologies back in september he's playing good golf and probably trending in the right direction so now is the maybe the time to, to hop on um hideki he's got okay course history 49th 45th 6th and 21st in his last few starts here uh but again playing really well again so it'll be interesting to see who is the highest owned in here i don't know how much of these guys i'll actually play because i'm probably going to be pretty heavy rory and justin with some stars and scrubs um so i might have to just put you know, if I'm starting here, I'm starting probably with with Day as my number one play in this re- in this region. Yeah, I think Day is a sneaky nice play. I think he's a really good pivot play here. I think at 9,900 bucks, like it's very very good. Uh, six of eight cuts made here. Obviously, he's won before and coming in in great form. T four, T five. So I think he's a really interesting player because everyone's going to go to Bryson as you're talking about. Ninety seven hundred dollars is just too cheap for him. Finished second here last year. He's coming in great form. You know, he slipped up a bit at the Genesis, but or in Mexico, I mean. But come on, like just the guy's been playing such good golf. One tournament's not going to distract me here. And bef- you know, before he finished second here last year, everyone wondered if he'd ever be anything more than just a scientific nerd. So um, I think there's a lot to like with Bryson at 97, but the ownership could just be out of this world crazy. Uh, the other guy that I like, Fleetwood at 91, like you mentioned, Leishman's a sneaky pivot play as well, is because of course history. But I'd rather go to Day if I have to. But the guy I really like here, no surprise to me, it's listening to the podcast enough, is Francesco Molinari. I know he's kind of taking a kind of slower schedule, but he's still playing great golf. Uh, T17 in his last tournament he played, and he's made six of six cuts here, including three top tens. Um, I, I really like that consistency. If you're playing cash this week, I have no problem starting a lineup with Molinari. I think he's definitely a guy down here at 9,000 that could win this thing. Um, and that, that's where I'm going to go here. You could even put a, a Molly with – you know, at Justin Rose and still have a pretty successful lineup. Um, so I love the day pivot. I think Bryson's a great play. I'm just really curious on the ownership there. But then I, I go down to Molly at 9,000. There's a lot I like there. Yeah, hey, I don't that, mind. That price I don't point. mind Molinari at all. I think that's, I actually had him checked off. I just didn't mention him because I wanted you to be able to have all the 
the glory. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But uh, I think I think he's gonna, you know, he's done his European tour thing. He's done his Ryder Cup. I think it's his turn. He did a little bit on the PGA even last year, obviously. But I think he's he's in for a, a pretty good run here pretty soon. That uh, will be fun. We, we're, we've always hoped it'd be Fleetwood, but I think Molly's gonna get it in. So that's where we go there. Uh, let's go into the 8K, and this is another interesting one. You got Patty Reed at 89, Billy Ho at 88, Hatton at 87, Chucky Three Sticks at 86, Berger at 85. Keegan at 84, Kokrak at 83, Lucas Glover playing great golf at 82, Henrik at 81, Poulter at 8,000, and Bubba at 8,000. Where are you looking down here, Jesse? It's another solid range. Yeah, yeah, really good range. Obviously, this this field's loaded. Uh, it's an invitational field, so I believe 125 start, uh, and they still cut down to 70. So 6 to 6 percentage is going to be um, higher than what we're used to so far this year. And when I say higher, I would imagine closer to 20% uh, where we've been 10% or less in most events. Um, so just keep that in mind kind of when you're making lineups, you got to get the high upside guys. Uh, starting toward the top for me, Charles Howell, I think is a totally fine play. He's His stats line up. So does Keegan's. Um, both of them, are obviously the ball strikers, you know, can they get the putter going? That's a giant question. Kokrak's price to me is odd. Um, I mean, I know he played okay last week, but like I'm confused how he gets up to 8,300 because he was in the sevens last week, right? And this field is yep. much stronger this week. So I'm, I'm confused, especially since he missed the cut here last year. And I mean, he's not, doesn't have great course history finished ninth last, last, last week. So, you know, that's, that's fine. It, it, I just don't know how much I can stomach paying $8,300 for him. Lucas Glover, man, you know, I've been on Lucas Glover and I got him at decent ownership last week. He was 10% owned. He finished fourth with a solid 66 on Sunday and the wind, when the wind picked up, he kind of started playing better. Um, I just don't know if he's going to be chalky. And if he's going to be chalky, I just don't know if I want to play him. But it's hard to get off of him at this point as much as I've played him. A um, little price decrease this week, uh, which makes sense, unlike Kokrak, who had the price increase. Um, anyways, my favorite play, Ian Poulter, $8,000. Give me all the Poulter. I know he's not done that great around here. 41st, 41st, 46th, 21st, 20th, 21st. Um, but in his last three events, and these are like not like shitty European events, most of these, well, all of them aren't. Third, sixth, third, sixth, and then thirty third at the at, in Sony is just. I want all the Ian Poulter at eight thousand dollars. Yeah, uh, I'm with you there. I won't go too much more in it there. I think Poulter is a phenomenal play at eight thousand dollars. I think he's a cash game target of mine, and definitely GPP play as well. Um, CH3, I absolutely love it, 8600 bucks. The course history narrative plays phenomenal here, and he's playing just really, really good golf. He's made 16 of 18 cuts here um, with the top 10 involved there, coming in in really good form. So I like CH3 at 8600 You can look at a Keegan at 84 You mentioned Glover. The other guy I really like here, and I think he's a really good GPP play, is Patrick Reed. Uh, you know, T14, T22, a 56, and two T13s in his last five events. Finished T7 here last year. I was talking about how he had 22 birdies here last year, over 90 DraftKings points for a seventh place finish. He's um, he, he likes to play in these big fields where he kind of gets forgotten. And to me, $8,900 for Patrick Reed, who just won the Masters last year in a field like this, 
I'm not saying he needs to be more than Molinari and Fleetwood and those guys, but being outside that 9K range kind of stood out to me a little bit. Maybe it'll affect his ownership, but this is a guy that could definitely make some noise. I think 8900 bucks. he's a very, very good GPP play with some big-time upside. So uh, I like Patty Reed to uh, be a kind of contrarian-type player there. Let's get to the 7K range, loaded 7K range, Jesse. So I'm not going to name them all off, but why don't you give me some of the guys 7,500 and above that you're liking this week? Yeah, um, I mean, Luke List is definitely interesting. Missed the cut last week. Um, you know, he's he's a better Keith Mitchell. He's missed a lot of cuts this year. Uh, but if he gets it going, he, he his putter was just broken last week, which it is most weeks. Um, $7,900, I'm not sure how how – popular he'll be but i feel like coming off the missed cut he's a better play than if he made the cut last week and finished 50th um so i don't mind him at all uh adam hadwin is super interesting to me he finished sixth here in 2017 um made a bunch of cuts in a row since the safeway on tour uh i mean not super high finishes but i just feel like he can kind of play well here zach johnson i'm never a zach johnson guy but i was just looking over some kind of course history things and the dude plays well around here when's the last time he missed a cut here what's his cut what's uh, I'm, I'm only going back to 2013 here. i got him right here zj if i just knew my alphabet there it is uh 14 of 15 made cuts i only got the last five up here but yeah he, he's been lights out five top I mean, tens in that time span Right, I mean, since it, it, he he MD no, he made the cut and just kind of backed it up on Sunday. He started really well last week at the Honda, um, and then just kind of backed up. And we're getting a thousand dollar price decrease on him this week, so I think he's super interesting at seventy seven hundred dollars. Uh, Michael Thompson at seventy six hundred, um, he kind of backed it up really well. Finished sixteenth at the Honda Classic, uh, seventh Genesis ten. All right, it was, yeah, Michael. The last thing I was just was going to say was Michael Thompson. He played well last week, and I'm I'll be back on him again this week. Are we going to stop at seventy five hundred? Yeah, stop at seventy five. Yep. Um, yeah, I echo the Luke List sentiments. He's an outstanding GPP play week in week out, and I agree. He's usually popular and stuff like this, but coming off the cut could help a ton. Uh, I think Siwoo Kim is an interesting play. Not always a favorite, but you know he's coming in the third in a T four his last two events. You know he's made two or three cuts here. He did miss cut last year, so. You know, GPP only, but Sue's really playing some good golf right now. So he's got my attention. I like the Hadwin call, maybe more cash than GPP, but he's got some upside there. ZJ just as well. You know, course history narrative. If you just want guys to make the cut, ZJ fits that to a T. You know, last week, Jason Duffner was this kind of guy. Kevin was talking about him in the Slack chat. He makes the cut. It is what it is because there's a reason these guys make cuts. For some reason yeah. at these events, they know the course very well. Um, I love the Thompson call as well. I'm curious to see how popular he's going to be, but – he wasn't as popular last week as I thought he'd be. He still was he, – he was chalky for a Matt Thompson or Michael, Michael Thompson, I mean. I call him Matt all the time. Michael Thompson. But still, he, he's he's a he's still a very, very good play here. The other two guys, I can't wait to see the ownership because I was tilted when I saw these prices. One was Benny on at 7500 bucks. Made three straight cuts here, including a T14 last week. But more importantly, my guy, who I pretty much preach every time he's on, on an event, Rafa Cabrera-Bello. RCB at 7500 bucks. Yes, it's his first time here, but he's been T19, T25, T22, a miscut, and T11 in his last five events. This guy is an amazing ball striker. He doesn't have to hit his driver. I'm worried he's going to be chalky at 7500 bucks, but he just stands out like a premier player in a really weird price. Like Him and Coke Crack should be switched. That would make sense to me. 
Um, yeah, that would be too. RCBS 75, I just don't get. I mean, I might just eat the chalk. I might pivot, come to the Slack chat on Wednesday when we figured we talk more ownership and other plays. But I am really curious. I know he's a first-time guy, so we're a big course narrative group here, a course history narrative, and that kind of plays off there. But I'm really curious to see what the deal is with that pricing. Maybe he just goes and gets blitzed and, and, and can misses the cut by 10 strokes. I don't know. But 7500 bucks makes no sense for a guy. His ball striking ability, his approach game, his around the green game, his birdie abilities – I don't get it. He can destroy par fives. So I, I'm really curious about that pricing there. All right. Below 7,500, Jesse, who you liking down there? I'll start up top there with uh, Hao Tong Lee um, at 7,400. I think he has the upside. He finished 54th here last year, but I think he has the upside to get inside the top 20, maybe potentially a top 10. Um, finished 19th in Mexico, uh, which was, a, you know, what, a 60, 70 man field or whatever, but second and 12th in his two starts before that. Um, I mean, he's a top 10 machine, so I feel like if he stays over here in in the States and th- he will have a breakthrough performance and people will start trying to figure out who he is. And then, you know, obviously he'll get more chalky. So I think now that is the time to hop on him at 7,400. Um, just looking over some stats, I think Jorban Olsen is uh, <laughs> a terrible way to say that name, but <laughs> he's uh, he kind of fits. Uh, missed the cut here in 2017, but finished seventh in 2013. Um, Kiradek, man, I don't know what to do about him at 7,100, <laughs> you know, that do the price is right. So he yeah. missed the cut here last year. Um, coming in, he was playing really well. He finished sixth here in 2016 and sixth here in 2007 or 2015. Um, coming off a missed cut last week at the Honda classic. I did not play him cause I did not think he was going to succeed last week. Uh, typically when he misses a cut, he doesn't miss two in a row. Now he did miss two in a row from the, Abu Dhabi to the farmers, but that's, you know, flying all around the world. So I don't know how much stock I put into that, but um, I think this might be the week to play him. And I think his ownership might be reduced. Yeah. I like that call. I was curious what you're going to say there, but you know, a guy that can go T six here twice, I will give serious consideration at $7,100. That's, that's tremendous. Um, I like the how Tong Lee call another guy that's, you know, it's easy to say, you know, he shouldn't be priced here, but guys that are in the WGCs, it's because they're ranked so high in the world. How Tong Lee is there, and yet he's 7400 bucks in this field. So he, he's definitely a guy that could be in the top 10, no problem. So I like that quite a bit. Um, when you're talking iron play, and I know he can be tilting at times because he's kind of a little crybaby, but uh, Kevin Knott, 70, um, 7200 bucks comes into play here. He's made 7 of 10 cuts, including a T36 last year. So I like him as, as a cheaper option. Um, one other, two other guys. You mentioned Barnrat. JT Poston is coming and playing really, really good golf. And um, T36, T28, T26, T40, T7. He's made five, at least five straight cuts. It's his first time here, so keep it with a grain of salt. But 7100 bucks for a player like that is great. And another guy I mentioned a lot because he's always down here in low prices. But made 10 to 15 cuts here, including a T22 last year. He's made four straight cuts on tour, including a T20 his last time out. Brian Gay's only $7,000, and he's another really good iron player that can uh, get it done around the green. So keep an eye on Gay and Poston at those cheaper price tags. But it's weird. I usually like this kind of lower seven range. Not as in love with it this week. I like the 6K range a lot more. Yeah. yeah. But um, it's, it's the pricing's really weird, and I'm fine with it. I'll make it work. It's just usually I like that a lot more, not so much this week. Speaking of the 6K range, Jesse, I have a, a lot here, so I'll let you go first. Who do you like down here? 
Yeah, this this is definitely is going to be tempting. I know you already mentioned it in the Slack chat, but it's it's going to be tempting to go full on stars and scrubs, fit in as many guys as you can up top, and then throw in some of these super low low price guys down here. I'll start with at sixty nine hundred dollars with Nate Lashley. Um, he's quickly becoming my dude. Uh, he finished eighth in Puerto Rico. Um, that the stats just continue to to fit with him um, hitting a bunch of greens. And uh, I think he'll still be under the radar. Um, he's very accurate with his driver as well. So uh, I like him quite a bit at $6,900. I think Gooch is interesting at 6800 He finished 26th there last year um, and coming off a 20th there at the Honda Classic. So I think he's I think he's interesting. He played last week, didn't he? Yep, and he finished yeah, 20th Honda Classic. I don't remember seeing him at all on the leaderboard. No, but he was really quiet, really quiet week. I mean, that's – that's a really that's quiet a top finish. 20. Yeah, that's a great finish. As <laughs> I, I said, too, when I was doing my research, I'm like, God damn, he finished 20th, and I didn't yeah. even notice him all week. He literally did not even realize he was in, like, made the cutter even in the field. So, um, and usually I'm, you know, I scroll up and down the leaderboard and I'm looking at names and I'm seeing stuff because I'm a freaking degenerate and I follow everybody's shot who I'm playing. Um, it's really, really unhealthy. I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, moving <laughs> down, the, especially when your guys are out there missing three footers. Um, the best is when you get to watch Martin Keimer lip out those three footers and you're just like, <laughs> fuck me. Um, Vaughn Taylor at 6,500. Uh, he's interesting, man. I mean, 23rd here last year, got a bunch of missed cuts at this place. Uh, did make the cut last year he fi- or last week. He finished ninth at the Genesis open, uh, two weeks ago or three weeks, almost a month ago now. Um, so I, th- I think he's interesting for that price at 6,500. Uh, he's been, you know, he's been playing pretty well, especially for the, the, the discount you get there. And then last but not least, Corey Connors. I think he's interesting. He's just looking at some stats from him. You know, he's missed a lot of cuts in a row after his he finished second in Sanderson's farm, but he kind of lines up on some of the just some of the singular stats. So super deep GPP play, you know, not going all in on him by any means, but did want to mention him as a play. Another guy, dude. What about like why is Ryan Almer? Yep, and Stewie Sink at sixty two hundred dollars. No idea. I could play them both, and if they miss the cut, I don't care because they're they could easily t fifteen t ten this thing. Yeah, no so idea. Stewie tilted me to death last week with his yeah. NDF. He tilted the entire Slack chat. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> just absolutely terrible round on Saturday. Um, but at sixty two hundred, I mean, like normally we're getting guys down here who are like fresh off the web and have not made a cut yet, and you got Ryan Armour and Stewart Sink down here. It's, I mean, those are like semi cash worthy plays at sixty two hundred dollars. Yeah, there there are plays I consider cash in six K, which you rarely ever do. Uh, Sinks made fifteen and nineteen cuts here, five top twenty fives, three top tens, T fifty eight last year, T twenty eight the year before. Like he's played just fine here. Uh, Ryan Armour coming off a T twelve last week, got four missed cuts prior to that. He's made two of two cuts here, Um, so you know cash game viability. Definitely reigns large. Uh, one name he didn't mention, I'm curious about, because we talk about him a lot lately because he's a different golfer now. HV3 is 6900 bucks. I know it was kind of an up-and-down week with him, but what's your thoughts here? Uh, I mean, course history, has, did he play here before 2016? I've got yeah. one or two made cuts. One or two made cuts, T34. Yeah, I mean, I think he's worth a look at 6900 He can um, – pretty sure he's decent on par fives, is he not? Maybe he's not. Let's look at him. 
Yeah, not very good in the field on par fives. I mean, he's a GPP play, you know, um, only. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't mind him. Okay. Um, one guy at $6,900, I do like, mentioned him last week. He made a run, but he finished um, T30 as Sunday wasn't too kind to him. T15 the week before, made two or three cuts here. T7 here last year is Patrick Rogers, another guy that's pretty boomer bust, but I like his upside here. If you want another kind of semi cash game play here, he's not flashy by any means, but Graham McDowell at $6,900, he'll just make cut after cut after cut. He T22 here last year, T28 the year before. Two missed cuts in the T10. So he can contend and make cuts. Now, you mentioned Gooch. CT Pan at 6800 bucks is a very, very interesting one as well. Might come in a little chalk, chalky, but two of two made cuts here at T41 last year. Uh, I mentioned this one in the Slack chat earlier when I was doing the research. Marty Party Laird. He's 6700 bucks. We know how tilting he can be. He's coming off a missed cut. He had three straight cuts prior to that. But he has made nine of nine cuts here, including a W. T26 last year. He's $6,700. He likes this course quite a bit. Uh, another guy we talked about last week on the show, and he actually had a pretty good week. It was up and down. It like he was going to have a really good week, but not quite VJ Singh-esque. But he still finished T20, and that's Ernie Els. He's getting it done. He's 6600 bucks. He's made three straight cuts on tour. Past four champion of his last five. Yeah, he's a really sneaky one. Four top tens of this event, 17 to 23 made cuts. So, Els at 66 is also kind of cash-fiable at this kind of event because he's not going to be stupid to try to bomb and gouge it. He's going to play it smart. So yeah. Bazelli is a, a GPP guy. Burns at 63. Tons of guys down here. I know I named a lot, but if I had to pick just a couple, I like Rogers, Els, Sink, Armor. Like Those are all guys I can sit there and kind of feel kind of comfortable with, which is weird. And there's the other ones I mentioned, I just wanted to mention for like GPP plays if you want to get weird. But uh, there's a lot down here Like I really want to see the ownership because – you know, you could put like two guys down here and then put a bunch of like eight, nine K guys and just let it go. See what happens. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be a really interesting week. One more guy to go along with your old, old man narrative is uh Davis love the third. Yep. Um, I mean, you know, again, GPP only, but he's another guy who's been successful around here. He's made one, two, three, four cuts in a row here. I mean, he missed a cut in 2012, but, Finished 14th in 2010, obviously a long time ago. Coming off a make cut at the Genesis Open. Um, you know, he top 10 in Hawaii. So, you know, he's a boomer bust deal. Yeah, definitely. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Please join us on the Slack chat. It's free. It's fun. All There's guys talking all sports all the time, and we'll get in there and, and do the DraftKings thing for the PGA Tour as we get more information or questions are asked. Um, let's narrow it down a little bit. Give me three of your top GPP plays. Obviously, there'll be more. Again, that's why you join Slack chat to ask questions like this. But who are three guys you'd be targeting for GPPs right now? Yeah, Hao Tong Lee would be number one for me. Uh, Lashley is on that list as well. Um, and then lastly, uh, man, I mean, I, I want to say Poulter, but he's – I mean, if I played cash, he'd be on my cash team this week too. So uh, the last guy I'll throw out is Luke List. Yeah, I, I had Reed – List and um, Keegan Bradley were the three I had penciled in there, but Reed and List are like if you're building GPPs, like I would almost start with those two because if you're willing to take that risk, because these guys could easily do some damage out there. Yeah, and should be decently low owned too. At least I think List is now. I don't know how highly touted he'll be, but that'll be interesting to see. Definitely. Now, when it comes to cash, the three guys I'm building around, like I'm right after we finish recording, I'm gonna start a lineup: Molinari, CH3. Ian Poulter. I'll probably throw RCB in there as well. 
four of my six guys right there. Like I'm just throwing that in cash and I'll build around that. Who are three guys you're looking at for cash? Yeah, I think I think Poulter is 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 cash worthy. Um Glover, I would also put on my on my cash team. And then I mean, I don't know, like it just kind of depends on where you go with it, but I also like Michael Thompson quite a bit. Yeah, there's there's a lot to like with it comes to that. Um, we already talked a lot about the below 6K or in the 6K range, guys. Let's talk about some winners. Who do you think's getting the fancy red sweater this this week? I mean, up top, I I really think it's between Rory McIlroy and Justin Rose. I know their odds are super short, so um, like a more long shot would for me would be would be Poulter getting the job done here. Ian Poulter. How much is Ian Poulter on my bookie? Let's see. Where are you at, Ian? He can't be this low. That's disrespectful. No, I must have went should past. should be about 50, I think, shouldn't he? Yeah, let me find. I'd probably scroll. Yeah, there he is. 50 to 1. Exactly. Bingo. Ian That's Poulter he, at 50 to 1. That's pretty much what he opened up at. So, All right. Some that I like outside of the – the if you don't go Rose or McElroy, but you still want to be up top – I do like Bryson at eighteen to one. I think that's actually decent odds for this field for a guy of Bryson's caliber. I really like Molinari at thirty-five to one. I, I look at something like that, and then RCBs at sixty to one. I, I, maybe I'm just biased because that's that DK price tag, but sixty to one for him. I I'm, I watched him a lot at Pebble. I was very impressed with how he played golf. Uh, he's kind of soft. He was really cold, so he had a beanie and he's wearing gloves a lot. But hey, whatever works for you. So. <laughs> I'll let that one slide. I don't have to worry about that this week, man. Must no, be nice be... weather down there. And... Oh, and he's got a smoke show that follows him around. Well, Absolute smoke show. Most of these so, guys do. Yeah, uh, it was it was impressive. With the weather, um, I would keep it on kind of the wind forecast. There's potential for a draw bias because it is Florida. Um, but from what we were looking at before the pod started, it looks like pretty much 70s warming up kind of as the week goes on a cold spell moving through because it's freaking 20 degrees where I live right now. So it's going to get a little bit colder in Orlando, but nowhere near where Kentucky is. Any other final thoughts as people build their lineups for the week or uh, uh, any other approaches to this field? Uh, I don't. Again, just going back to the whole invitational field. Like I said, I think it's 125 total that are going to start here. So 70 still make the cut. Um Getting six to six through isn't going to guarantee you anything, I don't think, this week. Yeah, it's not like weeks past. Um, it's going to be challenging. So cash, I can, I'm still okay with cash this week. It's not like a no-cut event, but uh, just be prepared where you're going to definitely need the six to six to make things happen. It's not going to be like five to six is getting it done for you. And uh, it'll be a lot of fun. It's going to be interesting scars and stars and scrubs. You're going to go more balanced. There's tons of ways to go about it this week. Uh, check out Jesse on Twitter at DFS Golf Gods, the podcast at Always Press DFS, and I'm at BD Intric. If you can give us a rating or review on iTunes, we much, much appreciate it. And if you want any help, come join us on the Slack chat. It's totally free. But until next time, this was the Always Pressing PGA DFS preview of the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Catch you guys later. Oh,